0: You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. You know, it's it's well known, I guess, and well documented that Christmas is not my favorite holiday. And uh, I used to be super grumpy around Christmas. Sue's nodding at me like, "Well, let's put it this way: I used to be more grumpy than usual around Christmas. I mean, I'm generally grumpy." But and uh, Sandy chatted to me the one year, and she's like, "Man, you know, you just got to like you to change your attitude about this thing, and it's for the kids, and you're wrecking Christmas for the kids." And so I did. And so then the next year, we she's like, "Man." we used to spend a lot less money for Christmas when you were grumpy. <laughs> so I'm like, well, okay, you just can't have it both ways. I mean, either we're grumpy and saving money, or I'm happy and we're spending money, one of the two. So, Anyway, but what an amazing time of the year this is. I've loved uh, the, the, the worship, the way the worship went, and also the prophetic contributions, just so Christ-centered and reminding us that actually what we are doing around this time of year is celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And... Uh, You know, the birth of Jesus splits history. Um, We used to call it B.C. and A.D., Ado Domini, the year of our Lord. And then historians try to change it, and they came up with these new phrases before common era and the common era. But if you research it, it's still the same date. So Jesus still splits history. We're just going to use different words to explain it. But anyway... I think we can get so caught up in so many of the peripheral things around this time of the year. If you've got kids, pics with Santa, shopping, giving and receiving gifts, baking, all of these kind of things, we can get so caught up with those things that the real gift of Christmas gets downplayed, and that is Jesus. I'm going to use an Old Testament text for us this morning, Isaiah 9 verse 6. Uh, It was part of the lines of one of the songs, and both, uh, I think some of the... Prophetic contributions alluded to us. Isaiah 9 verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What an incredible text that foretells the coming of Jesus Christ. Before we get into that, I want to say this. The Old Testament has got a lot to say about Jesus. Some people say there are over 300 Old Testament scriptures that point towards Jesus. And if we understand this great gospel narrative that runs right from Genesis to Revelation, we'll understand this, that although Jesus isn't the exact subject of every text, he is the context of every text in scripture. Over 300 scriptures point towards Jesus. There are 55 scriptures that are very, very specifically about Jesus in the Old Testament. And then I want to read you this little thing. Peter Stoner, the chairman of the departments of mathematics and astronomy in Pasadena, was passionate about biblical prophecies. So with 600 students, Stoner looked at eight specific prophe- prophecies. Now remember, we said over 300, then 55. This guy just took eight prophecies, and he was going to look at these eight Prophecies about Jesus. They came up with an extremely conservative probabilities for each scripture being fulfilled, and then considered the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling all eight prophecies in his lifetime. The conclusion that his research came to was staggering. The prospect that anyone could satisfy those eight prophecies was just one in ten to the power of seventeen. 10 to the power of 17. 1 in 10 to the power of 17. That number doesn't have a name. It's not a billion or a trillion. It doesn't have a name. It's just 10 to the power of 17. 10 and 17 zeros. Then he goes on to say, let us try and visualize it like this. If you mark 1 in 10 tickets, place the tickets in a hat and thoroughly mix up those tickets, and then ask a blindfold man to draw one ticket, his chance of drawing the mark ticket is 1 in 10, right? So he goes, then he explains what 10 to the power of 17 would would be like. He says, suppose we take 10 to the power of 17 silver dollars and we lay them out on the face of Texas. They would cover the whole state of Texas two feet deep. Now mark one of those silver dollars, one of those silver dollars, stir the whole mess up thoroughly all over the state, blindfold a man, and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes in any direction, but he can only pick up one silver dollar. That's 10 in the power to 17. Just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing, of having written those eight prophecies, and having them all come true and all fulfilled in one man, from their day to the present time. One in the power of 10 to 17. And they only took eight prophecies. And yet Jesus fulfills all of the prophetic words out of the Old Testament. What an incredible thing it is. Uh, and, and I love it. You know, we, we, we get in these, these conversations every now and then and science disproves the Bible. I love it when science, this was a, math, this was a mathematics and astronomy professor that proved this thing. I love it when science Proves the Bible because people think science disproves the Bible. And many, many times, science absolutely proves the scriptures to be real. So here we go. Father, we love you as we approach your word. Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you stir us? Would you challenge us? And would you remind us, Father, of how incredible Jesus truly is in this season? We pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 9, verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I'm just going to deal with those four names this morning, spend a couple of minutes on each one, and we're going to go and take communion. Number one, Wonderful Counselor. He is worthy of wonder. All of these Old Testament prophecies, the fact that he is the context of every scripture, The fact that we see Jesus in the Exodus. The fact that we see Jesus in Joseph. The fact that we see David in King David. The fact that we see Jesus in King David and so much more. Then we see Jesus made flesh. The incarnation of God walking on this earth with us. Living the life we were created to live but couldn't. And then dying on a cross to pay the price, the punishment for our sins that we could never pay. Then gaining the ultimate victory over sin and death by coming out of the grave on the third day, showing himself to many of his disciples, and then being seated at the right hand of the Father. Friends, he is worthy of wonder. He is worthy of wonder. But he's also our counselor. Jesus is not an absent God, not an absent father, not a distant or disinterested deity, but a personal Savior who lives with us and walks with us and breathes and talks with us and leads us and guides us. Wonderful, wonderful counselor. Secondly, he's called Mighty God, and he truly is Mighty God. Loved Sandy's exhortation about the miracles and the salvations and the stirrings that we've seen in the life of the church just in this year. Somebody that was trusting for for, children, children, now pregnant and expecting their their baby. Andrew, who was so sick at the beginning of the year, sick for months and months, and doctors couldn't find out what was wrong with him, and we prayed as a church, and we got churches around the world praying for him, and now to see him back to full strength. Just miracle after miracle and healing and salvation in the life of the church. Not because of the church, not because of who we are, not because of what we did, not because of anything else other than this, that Jesus is active and alive in our day. And he is still the God of miracles in our day as he was in that day. He truly is mighty God. Still a worker of salvations, healing, and miracles. In Luke 5, he demonstrates his power over nature the miraculous catch of fish. He calms the storm. He demonstrates his power over disease in Matthew 9, healing the woman who's been sick for 12 years. He demonstrates his power over demons by delivering the man who had a legion of demons in Luke chapter 8. And then ultimately, he demonstrates his power over sin and death by his physical resurrection. Mighty, mighty God. When we first got to America, 20 years, it is nearly 20 years, in March it will be 20 years that we've been in America. You wouldn't say that by my accent, but um, but I I am an American, got my citizenship, got an American passport, so even if I sound different from y'all, I am one of y'all, so there you go. But uh, when we first got here, people would send us Christmas cards and like I said, man, I'm Grumpy around Christmas. And people would send me Christmas cards with a little baby Jesus on them. And, and I used to get so mad. And I had this, this uh, lady that worked for us in the life of the church, Annette Furlow. And she used to say to me, you know, people are just trying to be nice to you. Can you just not be grumpy about this thing? But, but I want to tell you, that the, the thing that frustrated me in that thing is this, this picture we have of little baby Jesus meek and mild. Because little baby Jesus, meek and mild, is only one picture that we have of our incredible Savior in Scripture. Because we have little baby Jesus born in a manger. Yes, we do. We have Jesus that walks with us on the face of the earth in the Gospels. But then we have this Jesus of the book of Revelation. This, all, this almighty, incredible, resurrected Christ. And the... the, the, the the one of the phrases in the book of Revelation that I, that I love so much is his voice thundered like many rushing waters. Now, I've been to Victoria Falls. The, the, the Zambezi River runs between Zimbabwe and Zambia. And the Victoria Falls, and it's called this in its native language, it's called the smoke that thunders. And so from five miles away, you can hear the Victoria Falls rushing. Five miles. Miles, And you can see the mist. That's why they call it the smoke that thunders. And when you you get up to the falls, and you can get right close up to the Victoria Falls, all communication is null and void. You could not, you can be like this and screaming in each other's ears. You cannot hear it in the light of that mighty river that thunders. That's the Jesus we serve. That's the current Jesus. Yes, we have baby Jesus, meek and mild. Yes, we have Jesus that walked on the face of the earth. But the Jesus that we serve and the Jesus that we worship and the Jesus that we pray to is that resurrected, all-powerful, almighty Christ. Are you doing okay this morning? So we know this. When we worship, when we pray, when we're asking God for something, it's that God. It's that God. We've got to constantly remind ourselves, constantly remind ourselves, constantly make sure our attention is drawn to the resurrected Christ. That's the current Christ that we serve. Are you doing okay this morning? Everlasting Father. Some translations translate that differently. They call Him the Father of Eternity. Father of Eternity. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Revelations 1, he is the Alpha and the Omega. Deuteronomy says this, the Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Kind of what Brad prayed for us over the microphone this morning. Christmas can be a tough time for people. Christmas can be a tough time for people. We've got, we've got four children, my two boys over there, and we've got two other kids that we adopted along the way. And, uh, you know, doctors told us for years and years we would never have children, and so we convinced all four of our children are our, our, our miracle children. Um, but my oldest son went through a bit of a thing when he turned 18, and uh, chose to move back to South Africa And, be, and be, res- uh, be reconciled with his biological father Which we never had any problem with We had always been very open about the adoption And the adoption process with them. And uh, he chose to go back and be reconciled with his father And in that reconciliation process I guess I guess they spun him a bunch of stories About how this thing happened And so the, the, end, the end result of that thing was he told us he didn't want anything to do with us. I want nothing to do with you. Don't ask about me. Don't call me. Don't, I don't want to hear from you. For 10 years. For 10 years. And I want to tell you, I understand when people say holidays can be tough on family. Because I understand when there's that person that's out, or that person that we're not reconciled with, or that broken relationship, or that thing. It's in this time when we gather family together. So great to have Sandy's dad with us from South Africa. First time in 20 years that we've had extended family around us for a holiday. First time in 20 years. And then you have all of those years where you've got a son that's missing. I want to tell you, I, I get it. I understand how hard the holidays can be but I love all these scriptures, man. He will never leave us nor forsake us. I I think sometimes we get used to rejection and we get rejected and we build these walls around us because I can't take one more single thing of rejection. And so we start to close our hearts off to people. Mark Twain says this, he says, a cat that has sat on a hot stove will never sit on a hot stove again, but neither will he sit on a cold stove. And that's the problem. Because we get hurt and we get hurt and we get hurt and we start to close ourselves off. We start to close ourselves off from local church. We start to close ourselves off from a relationship. We start to close ourselves off even from that, those family members that have hurt us or disappointed us or let us down. But there's one who will never let us down. There's one who will never leave us nor forsake us. There is one who will never ever reject us. There is one who gives us unconditional love And sometimes that's the challenge that we have. We're looking for unconditional love in a conditional world. We're looking for unconditional love in a world that only understands conditional love. And yet there is a Savior who loves us unconditionally. Love Tim's illustration about most times the subjects sacrifice themselves for a king. We have a king who laid down his life for us. While we were still sinners, he did that for us. The Bible says God sets the lonely in families, Psalm 16. God sets the lonely in families. When we moved here 20 years ago, we knew nobody. So we're out there in Los Angeles. Uh, we, moved from a town, we moved from a town in South Africa, two towns 20 miles apart, total population 60,000 people to the heart of Los Angeles, inner city Los Angeles, where, where we lived in South Africa in in. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, we could be in a game reserve looking at lions and elephants and, and we're living in Los Angeles and in 30 or 40 minutes in Los Angeles, you've gone like two blocks. <laughs> it's like, where am I? We've, we were so disorientated, so out of it. You only understand the church as family when the church becomes your family. You only understand the church as family when the church is your family. Yeah. And there was a Mexican family, our first Christmas. They said, come and have Christmas with us. And we didn't know what to expect. We had no idea. And they had their extended family around. And, they, and, and their, the, the, the sons of this guy said, you know, my father has never, ever done this. He's never, ever had anybody but blood relatives around for Christmas. But that man just built towards us and loved us and poured out his love and opened his family to us. Started calling me Mijo, my son, my son. And his boys would say, you know, he doesn't call anybody but us miho and you. Just family, just this embrace of this family. When that man went to go be with the Lord, A couple of years later, when he went to go be with the Lord, we were away on a ministry trip. And we landed in Los Angeles, turned my phone on, and my phone had blown up with texts from all the kids saying, dad's critical, you need to come. And so I went, we, we straight from the airport, straight from this ministry trip, straight to the hospital. And his oldest son, his oldest son said to me, He's been waiting for you. He's been waiting for you. All his sons there, all his natural kids there. And he said, we want you to tell him it's okay to go. He's been waiting for you. We want you to tell him it's okay to go. So we gathered around in the hotel room, in the the hospital room, gathered all his sons and, and daughters around. And I said to him, it's okay, Tony. It's okay to go. We love you, we pray for you. We know your salvation. We know Jesus is waiting for you. That's his promise. I'm gonna go ahead of you and prepare a place for you. We know Jesus has got a place waiting for you. I kissed him on the cheek and he breathed out. We only understand the church as family when the church is our family. And yet that's what God has planned. God sets the lonely in families and I want to tell you, friends, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so easy to give up on the community aspect of church because it seems like it's such a secondary thing. But I want to tell you, friends, in our day, in our day, when we are busier and more distracted and more and more and more and more demands in our life and more demands in our time, I want to ask you do not give up on community on what the church can be and do for you and what you can be and do for the life of the church. It is God's plan, community. The strongest picture we have of the church is the church as family. That's because the strongest picture we had, uh, that we have of God is as God is our Father. That makes us all brothers and sisters. Prince of Peace. Number four, Prince of Peace. Surely the arm, I've got three minutes. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. Psalm 105 says this, verse three, it says that he forgives all our sins, all our sins. And then we drop down to verse eight, and it says this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor anger towards us. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. I love that. In the early days of my salvation, and I grew up on the far side of the rough side of the tracks when I got in trouble it wasn't because I was singing too loud in the choir I I was in real trouble in the early days of my salvation I read through the scripture and I was like what an incredible thing that was for me because I had done some stuff went into the military when I was 16 years old came out with six years service just after my 22nd birthday. I saw stuff as a kid that no man should see. But I read this text and was just struck with this thing, that east to west is an infinite distance. North to south, measurable. You start at the South Pole, you travel north. You can only travel north to the North Pole, then you're traveling south. But east to west, You can start off at the equator, start going east. You can circumnavigate the globe 150 million times, you're still going east. I'm so glad, me, personally, for my sin. I'm so glad God removed my sin from me, an infinite distance away from me, because there's some stuff that I really wanted to get away from. The north to south is this repetitive thing, north, south, north, south. And we get trapped in this cycle of sin, But God takes our sin and he removes it as far as the east is from the west. And it says, and he remembers it no more. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? Is that my sin is not standing right next to me. On that great day when I stand before my Savior, it's not going to be me and my sin. It's going to be me standing before my Savior. And the judgment that God will pronounce on every single human being, every single human being will stand before the judgment seat of God. But for us as believers, our sin is judged in Christ. And in Christ, He has removed my sin as far as the east is from the west away from me. Prince of peace. Let me tell you, that gives me peace. The fact that my sin is an infinite distance away from me. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. The Bible tells us in Colossians that we were enemies with God. See, the the Prince of Peace, the peace that Jesus won for us, is not just this casual ceasefire. It's, it's not the peace that means now there's simply an absence of conflict between me and God. It's a peace that transforms me from what Colossians says. We were enemies of God. In our minds, we were enemies of God. The Prince of Peace translates us from being enemies of God to being sons of God. Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Once we were alienated from God in our minds, but yet he has reconciled us. The Prince of Peace brought us the opportunity to have peace with God. Let's stand together. Let's stand. What an incredible gift we've been given in Jesus What an incredible gift. What an incredible gift. I know, as I said, when we started, man, we can get so caught up in all these things and I'm not not trying to wreck Christmas for anybody. But let's not get on with all those things and forget about this incredible gift that God gave us in Jesus. Father, we love you and we bless you. This morning, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for the gift of Jesus, this priceless gift of Jesus. We are so blown away, Lord, so blown away that you would sacrifice yourself on our behalf to win reconciliation between us and God. We bless you, Lord. May we remember to celebrate you this season, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.